Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Garay, TJ Beter, and Kathy Garay. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Howdy ho, lovely listeners. Crank up your Ohio Players 8-track because it's National Roller Coaster Day. It's also Friday, and once again, time for another installment of Greyhounds Make Great Pets. However, this week, we are going to explore a different type of dog. Today, we are talking pit bulls with our guest, Steve Bassignani, who will explain to those of us who may not know exactly what defines a pit bull and explore fact versus fiction on this often misunderstood pup. We'll hear about Steve's involvement in pit bull rescue and adoption, and he will be sharing stories on some of the pit bulls he has worked with as they begin the path to their forever homes. Pit bull adopters are as devoted to their pups as we are to our greyhounds. In fact, there are several greyhound adopters that I know who also have opened their hearts and homes to pit bulls. Now, granted, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about our dog du jour, so I'm really looking forward to getting my Pitbull 101 education. Uh, now, TJ is unable to join us today. However, Rory is here and ready to go for another hour of GMGP. Rory, are you there? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking I needed to maybe have a different representation and get the same contract TJ has so I can get uh, my vacation days. Uh, hey, listen, it, uh, you, this is, hey, we're not, this, this show is known in some circles as the Rory show, so you got your perk, buddy. Yeah, um, but you know, as, as, as the music was playing there, um, you know, I think at one of these shows we are going to have to do a contest, because I know when I did put out one time on one of the Facebook pages about, you know, what was the, the name of the song that we're using for the, uh, the show, no one could could get the full name of the song. So we might have to maybe do that next week, see if people can uh, guess, get the right name of the song, and maybe we'll do a contest where we'll give like $500 to an adoption program or something. Well, that'd be cool. Or, yeah. uh, you know, we have um, maybe we've had some great authors on the show of, of books that are much needed for every, you know, greyhound person. So maybe, you know, we could get a couple of our authors to... Um, provide us with some um, autographed literature. Exactly. And, you know, just remember, you, you can't stop the rue and kicks are for kids. Right. You know, can you leave the can you leave the humor to me because obviously <laughs> I'm worse at it than you. <laughs> well, that, that was the, that was my hint. So that's it. I'm done. I'm out of hints. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you bring on our guests if you have nothing else to yammer on about. Oh, I have lots of stuff to yammer about. But, Steve, thank you uh, for joining us here today. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you finally. Yeah, as uh, yeah, Kathy had here. mentioned, there are people in the in the greyhound world that have uh, have adopted uh, pit bulls, have uh, pit bulls with their greyhound. Actually, I think one of our friends, her uh, pity is a uh, service animal. Is that correct, Kathy? Um, I believe so, or it, it was. I know um, at one time she had a couple that were, were service dogs, so I'm not sure, sure if she has that now or has a different breed right. that her other two have retired. 
So, but again, we want to appreciate you for coming in here and uh, maybe explaining a little bit about this breed. Um, I so maybe just start off. Can you give us a little bit of uh, the definition? What is a pit bull? I know you know there's been some misconceptions out there. Absolutely, Rory. I mean, the pit bull label has been used to identify more the characteristics of the dog than the breed itself. Uh, be you know, I mean, I've seen many. I've met many types of. Uh, I'm going to call them dogs, you know what I mean? Many different types of dogs that have been labeled pit bulls. A square head, kind of a blocky head, a strong body, and, you know, anyone who sees that, they just say, hey, that's a pit bull. Whereas a greyhound, you can tell a greyhound is, you know, sleek, long nose, um, you know, fit, active yeah. type dog. But, but, but the pit bull label has been used mainly to identify the characteristics. I mean, from what my reading says, there are a couple of different types of pit bulls, there's the American Bully. Uh, let's see, I kind of jotted down some notes here. American Staffshire Carrier, the American Bully, and the Staffordshire Bull Carrier. Now those are actually pit bulls, and they look like your typical pit bull. Again, blocky head, strong body. Is it? And um, I mean, wh- how long have you been involved in uh, in the rescue? In the rescue world, I've been involved with uh, five years now. It's five years. So it's... Uh, now, did, did you have a, a, a pit bull before you got into rescue, or did, was it sort of simultaneous? You wanted to volunteer actually, and... Yeah, actually, that's, and you that's a great question, Kathy. So what happened was uh, my wife and I decided uh, to add. We had a dog at home, and we wanted to bring a puppy in. So we reached out to a local rescue uh, called Pity Love, and we adopted a boy, Jax, and he was... Just, you know, he was a baby, he was a puppy, he was a great boy. Um, and at that time, I kind of got married late in life, and I wasn't kind of used to married life and that sort of stuff. So I reached out to the rescue and asked if they needed any help. And, you know, five years later, here I am <laughs> talking to you guys. And it's, it's, uh, it's been great. It's been great. Oh, that's good. Um, now, I have to say, I've seen some pictures that, that you have, have shared of pit bull puppies. And, and I have oh, to yeah. say... I mean, they are like the freaking cutest dog ever. And a lot of them, you know, when they grow up, you can, when you can see, you know, and again, when you've posted pictures, you, when you see the development of, of the pit bull, I think it, it, it kind of takes away a lot of that negativity because you can see, you know, the, the happy, the, 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 it's a normal dog. And, and we've talked oh. about this, I think, uh, with, uh, on our Galgo show and, and various times regarding, um, you know, the Greyhounds, everything depends on its home life and how it is brought up and how it is treated. Um, you know, if, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Now, and and I think, I think what you have shared and through the group itself, what they put out, I mean, you can clearly see that in the right environment, these dogs are wonderful. You know, and I, I've got to give I've got to give the rescue pity love credit. They're absolutely amazing. Um, they make sure the dogs go to nothing but the best homes. They follow up with everything, you know, and they're they're also there for the life of the dog. So, you know, once the adoption is complete, you know, they give the resources. They help the life of the dog, and we have multiple repeat adopters, which is you know, it speaks volumes of the rescue mm, itself. That's, and that's great. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's any breed, not just pit bulls. But I landed, like I say, I landed with pit bulls simply because of the time my wife and I adopted a baby from um, from Pity Love Rescue. 
Mm-hmm. And I want to. Now I'm assuming that. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's great. Like I said, um, kind of, kind of watching you, and I've I've read up on the group and stuff, and yep. they seem to be very, you know, very well informed, very helpful. So that that is cool, and oh, it is good to always have that support system behind you when when you take in any breed. You know, you do oh. need that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can share stories with, you know, some people who, it was, it was this gentleman's first puppy. I actually fostered one of the babies. He came and adopted uh, Bruno, you know, and he was, again, he was absolutely amazing. He did all the reading, all the research, but, you know, something would come up and he'd reach out and ask questions to the rescue and, you know, they would help. And it's, it's just, like I say, it's, the end stories are always wonderful, but in rescue, the beginning mm-hmm. stories are not. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we'll we'll get into some of that yeah. a little a little bit after Absolutely. our break. Um, okay. So tell us a little more about um, what in in regards to to a pit bull. Like when you know you see somebody walking it down in the street. Do they have sure. now with greyhounds? We have standardized colors that are are, are you know pretty um, prominent. Does a pit bull on average, I mean, is there a certain look other than the, you know, the blocky head and, and kind of short stature? I mean, is there a color? Is there, for example, how can I define a full bred from maybe a mixed breed? Is there anything that's going to give me that flag? Yeah, I I wish I could provide an honest answer, but Kathy, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, all the pit bulls I've met have different characteristics, be it, you know, full bred pit bulls or mixes or whatever. I mean, they're, they're individuals mm-hmm. themselves. Again, the only thing, I mean, I have two at home, of course. My female is more staffy, so she's smaller and got a blockhead. And my male is, is again, much bigger. Um, he's a big boy. He's 80 pounds. And it's the same thing. Oh, but my the, gosh. You know, the, <laughs> the, the, I mean, people know pit bulls simply because of the media. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they show the pictures in the media, and it sells newspapers and, and that sort of stuff. So, uh... I'm trying to think of a characteristic that I could say, oh, okay, that's a pit bull. But other than the square head, I really can't. I mean, some folks crop the ears on them. We've seen that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. which, but, again, they crop ears on other breeds. So, again, I'm not too sure I can give a definitive answer on, hey, that's a, that, this makes this a pit bull. You know, okay. Now, sense. I think I've heard that um, pit bulls are not recognized by the AKC, or am I mistaken? No, you're absolutely correct. Pit bulls are not recognized by the AKC. Okay, I'm not so, sure the reasoning so behind that, that, but that is correct. It's because they're the AKC. Uh, <laughs> if they have their yeah, role. Um, so yeah. that would okay. So that would explain, you know, why there might be not, there, there's not maybe a standardized color or, like you said, sometimes the ears are cropped, sometimes they're not. You know, so that yeah, that might exactly. explain a little bit yeah. of that. Um, yeah. Or yeah. just you know people's personal taste. So, but hey, let's get the let's get the big the big elephant out of the room, if you wouldn't sure. mind going there. Um, of course. Sadly, every time the word yes. pit bull comes up, the other word that comes up is Michael Vick. Um, yep. Based on your opinion, what? How much damage, or or in essence, in the long run, did it, it did it help for for more understanding of the pit bull? Did did the whole this whole mess with what happened with Michael Vick and, and what he was doing and, and et cetera. Did it help or hurt the breed in general? You know, uh, it, it brought exposure um, is, you know, first and foremost, it brought exposure to dog fighting. So I, I think that that helped and it opened people's eyes to what some other bad people do in, you know, back alleys and, and dark areas. 
Um, what it did, it, on a positive note, what it did is it kind of changed the stigma about fighting dogs. Now, typically before, I understand, before the Vic tragedy, uh, many fighting dogs were simply euthanized. After, you know, uh, you know, once they got brought into animal control or whoever, they were simply, they were deemed fighting dogs, you know, in an, unable to be adopted, and they were just euthanized. Mm-hmm. So what happened with Vic's 49 dogs is that uh, all but one was able to be placed in a sanctuary or in foster homes. So I think, I think that that is absolutely great. Uh, that was done by the uh, American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. So what they did is they petitioned okay. the court to say, hey, listen, give us a chance. Let's evaluate these dogs. Let's see if they can be re- rehabilitated. Um, and they, the court did that, which is absolutely amazing. So basically being deemed a fighting dog is not a death sentence anymore. There are organizations out there that can help um, these dogs and get them placed. I mean, fortunately, now, the, one of, one of, I was going to say one of the most famous Vic dogs, Handsome Dan, was actually right down the street, and he became an ambassador to the breed, so that's, that's absolutely amazing. Oh, excellent. Actually, yeah, well, actually with that, can, can you tell us a little bit how, how was Handsome Dan? Was, you know, my belief is any dog can become a great pet if, if put yep. in the right environment and given the right care and they, they feel secure and loved. Um, yep. So go, a dog going from this in fighting environment to now being a home, tell us a little bit how, how that dog was as a, a pet. I mean, it's from my understanding, I personally never met him, but he, he absolutely amazing. I followed his story on Facebook. Um, you know, he's just an absolutely amazing dog. The family shared all kinds of updates with him. Again, he became an ambassador. There's pictures of him with children. There's pictures of him with people. So it just goes to show that, you know, these dogs could suffer, or most any dogs can suffer a horrible past. But they tend to forget, and like you say, once they're shown love and care, you know, they reciprocate. Right. I mean, right. I, just, I just remember growing up, and we had some neighbors that uh, I remember a few of their dogs being put down and being told by the people, like, well, once a dog tastes blood, it's always going to go yeah. for blood, and you can't trust it anymore. And, right. you know, through life, I've learned that that, that is not true, um, that these dogs, you know, like with these dogs, with Michael Vick, they, many of them, um, went on to have great lives as a dog in a home and loved and cared. And, you know, absolutely, it, it, absolutely. There's a, there's a great book called The Lost Dogs um, in regards to the Michael Vick dogs that uh, was eye-opening, uh, saddening, and, you know, had a happy ending because you could see that you know, towards the end of these dogs' lives, you know, they got to kind of experience love, I guess yeah. for lack of a better word. You know, and you're absolutely right, Rory. The old days, oh, it's got a taste of blood, got to put it down. They, yeah, I, I would like to think and hope people are a little more educated than we were way back when. Exactly. As a side note, I don't buy Nike sneakers anymore because they sponsored Vic after his conviction. So, I mean, that's a, that's a personal note for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there's there's a lot of people that, you know, when when something like that comes about of a tragedy with an animal, no matter what, if there's a, some type of other commercial tie-in, yeah, there is yep. a uh, there's a fallout against it. Sure. Um perfectly understandable. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I agree. No, I know you can only speak for pity love because that's who you've been, sure. you know, you're associated with. But um, yes. do you see a lot of uh, fight dogs come through the program at all? Or is that kind of, you know, maybe you know, where I, the where you, the adoption area is, it, that's not too common where you are? My, my, personally, I haven't, but I can't speak for the director. I mean, she... She is so involved, and she gets calls all the time from law enforcement and from animal control. So she, you know, she deals with that. And, again, she's absolutely amazing um, in, in that aspect of it. But personally, I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't met any fight dogs myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've met thousands of dogs in the last five years. But, uh, you know, and I, I would assume, I, and some of them we don't know because some of them are found strays and animal control picks them That's up. So you don't know the history in the rescue world. Right, right. Um, on average, let's say in a week, um, how mm-hmm. many dogs come into the program? On average, uh, for for Pity Love Rescue, or you know, oh, for, that's, for it rescue, varies. yeah. I, I, you know, we we don't we don't rush. They do an amazing job vetting. Um, what typically what happens mm-hmm. is in Massachusetts, if a stray is found, the dog is held for I believe seven seven or ten days. I think it's seven days. They try to notify the owner. Uh, and after that time, the shelter will reach out to local rescues, be it a pit bull, I don't know, greyhound or German mm-hmm. shepherd. They'll oh, reach okay. out to the specific uh, rescues, and then the rescues will do an evaluation. They'll come in and do an evaluation and then either decide to take the dog into the rescue and move forward or, you know, mm-hmm. we'll try to find a place for the dog. It, it's amazing yeah. uh, nowadays um, how many rescues are, are getting involved in helping out the shelters. Going to tell a little story about a lady named, her name was Marty. And actually, and Kathy, you remember Marty, uh, the Greyhound Marty. I he remember was named Marty. After, Marty after Greyhound this, Marty, yes. <laughs> yeah. He was named after this lady, Marty. She, um, at the time, she was working at the same place I was working at. And her job was to go to the shelters, the two main shelters here in the Phoenix area every day see the dogs that had come in, kind of evaluate them, and she would write down whether, you know, the dog was adoptable or not. Sure. And after a period of time, she couldn't do the job anymore because it was just too hard for her going back day after day and seeing the dogs that she had listed as adoptable sure. no longer there and had not been adopted. So yep. to all yep. those of you who, who are working hard with the shelters to, to get the dogs out and placed, Great job because it's 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 a lot of work. I saw what it did to just one woman, just you know, evaluating the dogs and how sure. it how it was just you know it broke her down. And so thank you to all who go to the shelters and help out get these dogs placed. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, I, I got to praise the team because I mean it's not just me. That um, Pity Love has a full team, and they go and evaluate. So I mean, on average, I would go. Uh, whenever I would be called for an eval, so maybe, you know, it could be once a week, could be twice a week. Every day is probably tough, and I can understand why that happened to, to that woman. You know, I mean, you do, you tend to get burned out. I mean, because let's say you meet the perfect dog, and like you say, well, nobody's coming to pick up this dog, or no one's coming to adopt this dog. So it's, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, but, but what we try to do, at least for us, is, you know, we, we keep, if we find a dog that we think is great, we just keep going and going, and with regards to, and I know we'll talk about this later, Pity Love, they're all foster-based, so if there's an open home, we'll, you know, have the foster meet them. We'll do a meet and greet, see if everything goes well, and if the foster says, yep, you know, the dog will get over there. But for mm-hmm. me, like I say, it typically be once, once a week, maybe sometimes twice a week or every couple of weeks, but Pity Love is always, you know, whenever there's a call, they're always there. 
if it, you know, and, and again, now, I got to give the, I got to give those folks credit. Oh yeah, I mean every every group that does, like Rory said, whether you do shelter work yep. or you're a breed breed specific uh, adoption group, it's yep. it's really hard work. I mean, the good sure. and the bad are pretty much equal. But let me ask you the tough question: How yes. many times have you come close to failing fostering? Uh, my two, both that, of my two are foster fails that I have at home. So, uh, okay, so, and, and yes. Hence the reason I, I don't foster anymore. But not only that, it's, you know, it's uh, three. Three would be three would be um, uh, a handful, for lack of a better word. You know, yeah. Well, so, I mean, and that's come on, what, you Steve. Know, to... We have five greyhounds. You got to. Exactly. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, right. I read that like potato chips. Can you can't it, you have can just one. <laughs> that, that is that's funny. But uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, both of mine, both of mine are foster fails, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. And you know, uh, we can talk about some of the ones that I met and fell in love with. Um, you know, if I could have had three, I would have had three in February because I met this uh, girl who was, but she, she just she stole my heart the second. They all do though. That's the thing about. Uh, oh yeah, that that's true. That is you true. You know, any dog lover, well, you mean, know, like he. Yeah. Oh no. I can't. Yeah, and that's that's how we ended up with a a, a young greyhound. But that's for another show. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I thought I was puppy immune, but I am not apparently. <laughs> but uh, but that is that's a very good trait, I think. Also, with um, again, anyone who who works adoption, you you've got to know you've got to know your limits. You've got to know your strengths and your weaknesses. So. You know, um, kudos for failing twice in fostering, but also kudos for knowing that, okay, two is all I can do. Thank you. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, but real quick question, um, just to give the folks at Pity Love a, a shout out. Do they service all of uh, Massachusetts or just the Boston area? All of Massachusetts. And, and one, of the, one of their, um, uh, I guess, what am I trying to drive at the word I'm looking for? Well, you know, basically, we, we believe that there are enough homeless dogs in Mass. We're only focused on Mass. We don't import any dogs very, very rarely unless it's a, you know, a uh, very oh, bad okay. case. Um, but we're, we're strictly focused. We, we deal strictly in Mass. Um, I some of okay. I mean, most of our dogs come from uh, Boston Animal Control just because they find a lot of strays. But mm-hmm. we go everywhere. Well, and I think... Right. I mean, and I think it, being that you're, you know, you're working that. Now, are there any uh, pit bull breeders? I mean, I, I could be wrong here, but I don't, you know, I mean. There are. And are, are, uh, the only reason I, I, I mean, uh, I, the reason we know this is um, about a year or two back, we got a call from a local uh, veterinarian that uh, a breeder brought in, I think it was five babies with Parvo, and these were just little babies. So the vet mm-hmm. called, or, you know, I think Animal Control called Pity Love and, Again, they dropped everything, went up and got the babies, got them treated, and got them adopted. Mm-hmm. So, and the other reason, I belong to another Facebook page uh, called, I think it's um, something like Massachusetts Bully or something. And you, occasionally you'll see people um, putting babies up for sale, which doesn't make oh. sense to me because there's so many homeless ones right now. There's no, there's no need right, to breed right. bulls unless it's just for money. At least that's, you know. I see. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, that kind of all ties in with, you know, how how the breed is, you know, evolved and perceived. And yep. yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that it, it happens a lot, but I know Rory and I sometimes when you drive around the Phoenix area in the fall, sure. because yep. you certainly don't want to see it in summer, but there'll be somebody with a box of inevitably pit bull puppies, you know, for sale. Uh, and yep. that's yep. 
the, you know, the, the police will arrive shortly thereafter. So, you good. know, that's good. Actually, I'm sure our shelters are We had a pit bull dropped filled. off on our uh, front porch a few years ago, and we had to work yes. with a local group yes. here in Phoenix to um, come pick him up and get him taken care of. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Could, he, couldn't, he probably couldn't have landed at a better front door than, than you two. Yeah, that, it's well, just like, yeah, unfortunately, I think some of the neighbors know, and that's how we used to, I think, end up with some of the uh, homeless cats that we, we had at our place. Gotcha. Yeah, because they would just appear. You know, Rory's going out to, to do some, some lawn care or cut the grass or cut some bushes, and he, he's like, um, we have a kitten in the grass. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. You know, huh? so then, of course, we... Yep. Well, yeah, the thing is, when when that would happen, I mean, we did, you know, we took them in, we got them spayed or neutered, yep. got their shots, named them, Perfect. built them a home, fed them. Oh, never mind. <laughs> As with any animal lover, which is absolutely great. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rory actually, for years, um, both had cats and greyhounds. Um, right. You know, indoors, and, but um, indoor, yes, indoors, but that that, nice. that can get to be a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we had uh, my wife and I. We had cats when we were fostering, so and and that would be would be great. You know, is the dog good with cats? Nope. You know, the cat would hide in the basement for you know during the time of the foster, <laughs> or or yes. I mean, we have had some. You know, we had some that that went well, great with cats. Absolutely great. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, after our indoor like, cats had all passed away, um, we decided against you know doing the indoor cat mainly so that for the greyhounds that we weren't limited to always just ha- having to have a cat tolerant greyhound. We could then sure. uh, just take a greyhound in, so that's worked out there. But unfortunately, that didn't stop people from dropping cats off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which still blows me away. It's like, folks, I am into greyhounds, and we know all all dogs will chase a cat. The greyhound will catch them. Stop it, please. That's true, too. I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, that's, that comes from Rory and, um, you know, good, better, and different from having a reputation of being a nice person when it comes to animals. So, right. sure. Well, enough. speaking of animals, I know I'm looking at a few that I think are ready to go out for a potty break. Uh, so with that, I wanted to let everyone know we'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned for more Loving on Those Pities. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories 
the gossip and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Very sure has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation, Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Call today. That's Greyhound Pets. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Oodles of thanks, Mr. Medium Voice Announcer Guy. Yes, you are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. We're starting our second half of the hour with our guest, Steve Bassignani, and we're going to be talking more Pitbull 101. So let's start, Gavin. Well, I guess that means for me to start opening my mouth, right? Pretty much, yeah. Wait, do you ever? Uh, Never mind. I'm not going there. <laughs> well, I, uh, during the break, uh, Steve and I were talking about, and I just kind of wanted to venture a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's illegal for dogfighting nationwide. Um, but, it, you know, we, we see cases all the time, and it seems sometimes like the people who are actually doing animal abuse, they get, you know, just a slap on the wrist, um, and is there any movement or anything you think people maybe should do to start maybe putting a little more bite, uh, you know, no, no pun intended there, but into yeah. these laws? Because, you know, we see real animal abuse and it just doesn't seem like these people are getting, you know, like with the, this one greyhound Sparky, it doesn't seem like there's going to be justice for Sparky. We need to start seeing that there's justice for these dogs that are done wrong. Are you still there? I'm still here, yeah. All right, sorry. I just had a bunch of static on my mind. You're absolutely right, Rory. My personal belief on this is the laws are not strong enough for animal abusers or, you know, dog fighters or, you know, anyone who harms any animal. Um, so what people could do probably is right there, you know, I mean, it's, you start at, start at the bottom. I mean, you can talk to the town selectmen. You can talk to the town boards and try to institute bylaws and, punishments for that type of stuff, or they can go right to the state house, write their legislators and say, hey, listen, I don't think this is strong enough. I mean, I personally saw a couple of cases where, you know, uh, witnesses uh, saw this person actually abusing a dog in a park, swinging him around because the dog urinated in the house. Now, I mean, you and I would do the same thing if we had to go to the bathroom. Now, I followed that case for, I think it was about a year and a half, and the, uh, the defendant got two years without a finding. And to me, that, that's absolutely terrible. Terrible. I mean, the dog had vet bills. The dog was very nervous. Uh, in the beginning, I mean, he blossomed as soon as he was showing love and affection, you know, and he's an absolute great dog. But, but it's just, it's not enough. We need to have probably, you know, standard laws across the board. If you're found guilty of this, this is your punishment. Make it stern and make it strict so people know it's not acceptable. Right. And, you know, me personally, um, you know, in, the, in our country we have, and each state is a little different how they do it, but we have, uh, re- people have to register if they've, they're a sex offender. I think people yep. should be registered if they're an animal abuser and, you know, never be allowed near another animal again. 
Uh, I, I agree it, wholeheartedly, and we can go back to Michael Vick. Um, they didn't ban him from owning dogs again. I believe he has a dog now, which is, which is absolutely crazy. But you're right. A national registry for animal abuse, if found guilty for animal abusers, would be a wonderful tool for everybody. It would be a wonderful tool for rescues. It would be a wonderful tool for animal control people because they could look at the history. You know, and just say, hey, listen, you know, we're not giving you dogs. That would make life so much easier. I mean, yeah. in the rescue world, uh, again, not to praise Pity Love so much, but they do an amazing job vetting potential adopters. But a national registry would make it a, just, you know, a tad easier, punching a name, punching an address, boom, here you go. This person was convicted of this, when, okay, sorry, next. Yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely, so it would, I, and it wouldn't have to be like word of mouth, like oh, I, I've heard of this person. Oh, yeah. there's rumors about this person. You'd have the facts in front of you. Exactly. I mean, public records these days are absolutely amazing in general, but it does take a little bit of research and a little bit of work. Whereas, like we say, you know, the sex offenders registry or the national registry, boom, you get it right there, and anyone can do it. It's free. You know, people. If who don't have internet access could go to the library and look that up per se, but I think right. it's an absolutely brilliant idea, and I don't I don't know why they don't have that. And it is a conversation I do think we need to have in this country, um, especially the, the recent tragic incidents with uh, the shootings and all that in our country. And I do believe it has been proven that a lot of people who start off early in life abusing animals um, typically end up having. You know some serious issues later down in life, and I would rather see us, you know, try to rectify that than just kicking the cart down the can where they then do more abuse and cause more damage. Sure, I've I've heard that before many times as well. People who abuse animals tend to go on and abuse people and cause you know tragedies. Right. I've, I've heard that many times, but I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, and maybe that's something that I can focus on, on my end. Uh, when I get some time, is to kind of figure out why there's no national registry or even state registry. I mean, well, you know, we bring it- I, I, I think, uh, well, I just jotted it down, a note to, note to self, um, start talking to, because I do know um, a few politicians, know a few in D.C., and I obviously know several here in uh, Arizona. Um, I think it's time to maybe just start having that conversation. I know... Um, you know, it took us. There was a bill passed uh, last year here in Arizona, and I know the uh, the people who were working on it. It took it took a, it was a four year process, a lot of work, going down constantly meeting with senators and representatives uh, to eventually get this bill passed. So the you know maybe it's time to start working on this because you know the the longer we wait, yeah. the longer it's just going to take. So I, we'll we'll have to get together after the show sometime in the next few weeks and start talking some some ideas, see what we can do. Absolutely, I would, that would I would love to do that with you guys. Yep. Yeah. Now before well, Kathy, and, you I know, know Kathy, Kathy, I'm not done yet, man. Let me have a. Oh uh, well, oh. you did. You didn't raise your hand. It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I did, you wouldn't see it. But um, I, I had one other question, uh, kind of on a national level. I know on the greyhounds, um, especially with uh, Greyhound Pets of America, all of our dogs that get adopted out have a tag. And on that tag is an 800 number. So um, it, wherever they're at, if the dog gets lost, the people who find the dog can call the 800 number, and yep. we're able to help match them up with who, who the owner was or the group that did that. Is there any national thing in, the, in your world, or is that still something that maybe needs to eventually be worked on? In my personal experience with the rescue dogs that I've worked with, uh, they're not adopted out until the microchips. Okay. So all dogs that, that are adopted out with the rescue that I was with, uh, microchip all dogs. So there's not a tag per se, and there's no general number, 
but all animal control uh, officers have a microchip scanner. It's linked to a national database, so they scan the dog. They say, okay, well, Steve Bass is the owner, and here's his address, and here's his phone number. Um, but the issue with that is my girl Shana was microchipped. Uh, she was found astray a couple towns over from where I live. Uh, she was microchipped, but it came back to a disconnected number, so they had no way to contact the owner. They tried. And, but, you know, that's how life is, and that's why she's with me now. But, again, right. microchipping is probably the best, best thing for any adoptable dog uh, because because of the scanner and the fact that there is a database. Right. Uh, just a little bit uh, for those who are listening, uh, many know that I'm involved in uh, regulating uh, horse racing. Uh, you know, the with the greyhounds, they're tattooed and the horses were tattooed, but um, all new horses now mm-hmm. that are being bred for uh, racing are actually getting a microchip in it. It makes it a lot easier for identifying the horse. Um, of course, yep. then we don't have to stick our hands in their mouth and have flip their lip to look at it. So, yeah, microchipping <laughs> is a really, really good thing. Um, so with that, I'll now shut up and let Miss Kathy take it away. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> now, I guess I have to let you have your turn, fair is fair. Um, I, well, I, and then we're going to be talking in just a second about some of your personal stories regarding rescue. But before that... Um, one of the things, and, you know, we're kind of aware of, of certain illnesses or, or issues yep. with greyhounds. Um, sure. Are there anything that, that a pit bull is prone to as far as maybe genetically, like, you know, um, German Shepherds sure. with hip dysplasia or, sure. or health issues that uh, a prospective yeah. owner should be aware of? The only thing that I know of and seen a couple of times in, in my uh, my time with the rescue is torn ACLs. So some pit bulls are prone to torn ACLs, which is, you know, it requires surgery. They heal well, mm-hmm. but uh, that, that seems to be, I'm not going to say overly common, but I've seen it more than any other dog that I've known. I mean, I grew up with pets and I never heard about a torn mm-hmm. ACL until I got involved with the, in the pit bull world. But that's, I think that's I, about it. Have... I can't think of, there's no like osteo, um, you know, right. no, no okay. special cancer or any of that stuff that, that I'm aware of. I don't mm-hmm. think, I think, and it could simply be because, you know, pit bulls, they're not uh, purebred per se. You know, they're, they're mostly right. mixes. And yeah, genetically, I think a mix is better than, I don't say better, but less prone to disease, I guess. Does mm-hmm. that make well, sense? It, you know, it's, it's I, I, yes, because you're, you're holding in, I mean, to be honest, like European royalty. I mean, you can only... Marry your relatives so often. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You, yeah, your analogy is much better, and I get it. That's what I was kind of driving at. But, but with regards to the cities, I, I think that, I think there's more mixes than there are purebreds. So, so we don't see I that. See. But that's not to say that you know sometimes a sister and a brother don't, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. run out under the sunshine or whatever it is. I mean, that happens too with people who don't uh, stay a neuter. You know, exactly. I don't know about you guys, sure. but I grew up with Bob Barker. Spay and neuter your pet. <laughs> you know, when I was home, you, when you I was know, home from I, school, sick. <laughs> Watson Price is right. Yep. He was, exactly. he was a very good, um, you know, advocate of, of doing things the right way and making sure your pets were well cared for. So not a bad influence um, nope. for, for, the, for a generation there. So, but uh, hey, now we're going to sit back and you can just go because we want to hear the stories of Pitbull Rescue. We want to hear some of the the... The things that have impressed you, the dogs that have impressed you, sure. the, just the, the reason you keep doing what you're doing. 
you know, you, you can't really see this, but I, when, when you asked me that question, I sat here and started smiling. Um, you know, and me personally, uh, with regards to rescue and the dogs, I get more than I give, and honestly, I give quite a bit. Um, but they've all impressed me. I mean, I've all I've fallen in love with every single dog I've met at the shelter, be it a pit bull or you know a chihuahua or whatever. This comes out to say I I don't I don't know what it is in my genetics that, that causes that. But you know, I mean. Again, when I started in rescue, what I, what I told the president is, I only want to see the good stuff, you know, because we, when we very first started, she was nice enough. She let us foster uh, three puppies that, that, you know, she rescued. Uh, when I say she, Noreen Ford rescued three babies. I think they were four weeks old at the time. And like, oh, this is great, you know, we're, we're going to care for them, and it was absolutely wonderful. I'm like, Noreen, I only want to see the good stuff. That doesn't happen in the rescue world, or very long. You know what I mean? She's get, she gets called mm-hmm. at midnight for all kinds of, again, the parvo puppies or um, an abuse case and that sort of stuff. But, but, again, every dog that I've met through that rescue and other rescues, I've absolutely loved. Um, you know, of course, I have my favorites. Uh, February, I met this girl, Tuna. Uh, she was found astray in Boston. Uh, she was probably, I would venture to say, two feet tall, had the blocky head. Her belly was at the, at the floor kind of wiggling and wagging. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and she's referred to as a low rider. You know, like I say, my, my, my boy is huge. My girl is like 60. My boy is like 80. You know, we go for, a, uh, you know, people see me taking her for a walk. And, oh, you're going for a drag? So they're dragging me down the street. And I, I met Tuna, and she was an absolute joy to walk. Just, just to love. Nothing but kisses, you know, and, and her tail wagging mm-hmm. and her butt. And, you know, just, and her foster mom couldn't have been any better. Um, you know, it was a new foster for us, and, and we brought Tuna over there, and her foster mom was absolutely amazing. Um, she has a couple of kids, which, which really helps the foster dogs, too. You know, I mean, I didn't mention it earlier, but pit bulls were referred to as nanny dogs because they get along with children so well. I do. And, re- and I did read it. that and here and there. It, this, yes. Yeah, this, this whole thing was absolutely, I mean, Tuna, we get, and the great thing about the rescue world and is, you know, I'm very close to the people who adopted uh, the fosters that we had, so we do see the follow-ups. Um, so Tuna was great, but every single dog that, that Pity Love has helped, and I personally met, <clears throat> it's a happy story. They're, they're all great, you know. Excellent. So, I mean, again, I, I can't really just pick one dog out because they're all mm-hmm. much like people. All dogs are individuals, and you can see them block them. Sure. I mean, you know, and, I mean, uh, we picked up a baby. I don't know if you guys saw the story. Three, uh, uh, the, the three, three little ones, yeah. Five, yeah, three were little ones found in the cemetery. You know, and I met her at, the, at Boston Animal Control, you know, and they're like, oh, she's great. And, you know, so I was going to transport her to her foster home. And you could just tell she was, she was just nervous. She was just, like, shaking and mm-hmm. nervous. So, you know, we sat there for, like, a half hour in, in the shelter, and I'm just, you know, patting her and holding her. And, you know, it was, it was great. So she's coming out of her shell a little bit. I mean, she had a traumatic week. You know what I mean? She's her and her sisters mm-hmm. were found in the cemetery. So we sat there for a half hour. We took a little bit of drive. I drove her down to Framingham. Um, you know, it was really cool. We were doing some pictures, and, you know, I would walk away, and she would kind of look for me. And, you know, from there I dropped her off to her foster mom, and uh, her foster mom sent pictures showing a absolutely wonderful. Um, her foster mom has an older boy that she adopted from Pity Love previously. And I, I just saw her picture. She sent a picture of uh, the little girl looking up at the big guy. And I'm like, you know what? She must feel safe and secure now. Um, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's amazing. But again, each story is different and each story 
The right. ending is absolutely amazing. There's, there hasn't, I haven't seen a bad ending with regards to this particular rescue that I've been with for a while. But any rescue, I mean, anyone who helps and tries to do good should be commended for the work they do. You know, all the fosters, all the volunteers. I mean, and it's not an easy job, and it, it's not for everyone. Um, I mean, right. there are... There are things that, you know, if, if you can't handle day-to-day life and maybe stay on an even, even keel when things, you know, suddenly blow up, um, maybe fostering is, is not the thing for you because you're faced with, you know, number one, it's, it's a dog you have to care for that you know is going to a home and you have to prepare it and you have to be, sure. you know, you have to be on the ball knowing, okay, I've got to, Basically, you've got to teach this dog. You know, you're the trainer for for X amount of, you know, time until the the, the forever home is found. So, you know, there's there's a lot of of responsibility there, and and it's it's not all it's not all ice cream and cake. I mean, I'm sure nope. there's you know uh, some bad yeah, things. I mean, that yeah, can, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll send you. I was going to say, I'll send you a picture of, uh, you know, my couch being destroyed by my foster dogs. You know, I mean, and you're absolutely right. And, and the other thing that, that some don't think about is, you know, you're bringing a foster dog in. It kind of changes the dynamic of your home. And if you have a resident dog, you know, things, you know, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing that I can say in that and, you know, what was instilled in me is just take everything slowly whenever you introduce a new dog or even bring in a rescue dog. Just take it slow. You know, you spend right, your rest right. of your life with this dog. You don't. He doesn't have to be the other dog's best friend right away. I guess. Right. Exactly, and, what, and, know, and I think it all. I've oh, got to go jump in with the uh, the couch comment because I remember years ago when I had my home visit uh, to dis- to determine if I was a suitable home for a greyhound. My uh, a yeah. coordinator they asked me one question. Uh, and they asked, yep. said, "Well, what are you going to do if the dog pisses all over your couch or rips it up?" And I just said, "I'll get a new couch." And I think because I responded with that so quickly, they knew, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's not going to be worried about the dog doing that. He's going to get a new couch. That's a, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good question that uh, I never asked when I was doing home visits and, and doing, um, you know, screenings. But that is, that's a great question. I mean, what are you going to do? And, and what I did was, hey, it was my fault because, you know, I didn't crate him. And, you know, it was my mm-hmm. fault because, you know, he, he had enough energy to do that. You know, a tired yep. dog is a good dog. That's another saying that I, I've come to learn. Yeah. So, Either that or he hated your couch decor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that could be it too, but it was a nice couch. <laughs> so it doesn't. It doesn't well, matter what color it was, you know. Dog. But, but uh, yeah, so so you know to get back to that, Tuna was my favorite. Sully was my favorite. They, all every single one that we've helped. I mean, George was my favorite. They they all. But it wasn't it was an issue for my wife at the time, like you say. She, it was very difficult for her to foster only because she became attached. Now, my, my belief in that was, hey, listen, if we don't help them now, you know, and get them on the path, who will? You know, so that, that's sure. what kind of kept, kept me driving, which, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, because go ahead. I was going to say, you know, uh, foster homes are much, much better than the kennel. They're quieter. There's a routine. There's a family. They're much better than kennel life. As well, uh, there's there's couches. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, now I I know sometimes it's an emergency situation, uh, yep. and I'm going to make this kind of quick. Um, do the rescue groups that you've worked with? I mean, do they kind of take the foster home dynamic into play when placement? Because, like you said, um, if there's an existing yes. dog or a family pet, yep. you know, absolutely. do they kind of put the right foster with the right family? 
Uh, absolutely great question, Kathy. Uh, at least from my experience with the, with the Outstanding Rescue that I was with, they do. So the process that we used at the time was, okay, so let's say, you know, a volunteer and I go and we evaluate the dog. You know, we, we put our hand in the bowl, we give a little tail tug, pull the ears, you know, that sort of stuff, a vet hug, just to see mm-hmm. how they react. And if everything's great, you know, we do a dog test, so I'll bring my boy Noah, and he'll meet whatever potential dog we're trying to get out of the uh, shelter and into a, a foster home. I'll bring my boy Noah. We'll see how it goes. We'll, you know, kind of walk parallel, walk a little closer, walk a little closer, just to get a feel for how the other dog reacts. Um, you know, we do this with, you know, the tester dogs are very friendly with all dogs. So we do that. And then a determination is made, okay, well, this dog is not great with, let's say, other dogs. So we have a foster who doesn't have a resident dog. It might be a great environment for that. And then, you know, of course, all that information shared with the adopters as well. Like my Mm -hmm. girl, Shana, she wasn't great. She was very, she's shy with new men, very shy. You know, and we, we knew this. And the great thing about foster is they can work with her as well. You know, whereas a kennel environment, they just don't have the resources and the time to work with dogs that much. So, Correct. you know, Shane is still a little bit shy of men, but she's overcoming her fear. You know what I mean? And, of course, you mm-hmm. know, when anyone comes over my house, you know, there's a bag of treats out by the front door so they can kind of throw them in at her. And, you know, now she's the best <laughs> friend because she's getting treats. But oh, yeah. To get yeah. back to your saying, you know, uh, the, the incredible group at Pity Love, they, they know uh, the dog uh, from the evaluation and they know their fosters. So, you know, I mean, if, if one dog is, again, not cat friendly, of course we wouldn't put a dog in a, in a cat house with a cat. Right. Well, Steve, we want to we want to thank you for uh, joining us today to share with our listeners uh, about the pit bulls, and I also want to thank all those involved in in uh, rescuing these uh, wonderful dogs. For you're doing a great job. Thank you for everything you do. Want to thank our engineer Aaron. Another great show. Thank you, man, and our producer Tacy. Everyone, hug the hounds and pities of the world. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beter, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.